good uh, afternoon or good noon, I guess. <laughs> now it's afternoon. So. I hope everyone's doing well. Uh, first thing that I want to talk to you about is to uh, just remind you once again that uh, uh, the, the rule of uh, noble silence means that you don't speak to anyone. You know, not a whisper, not a word, except for me or Nancy or Scott. Okay? And no pointing and waving, no writing notes. <laughs> okay? Because you're obstructing someone else's meditation when you do that. And the other thing is that I want you to practice uh, at those times when we're not formally walking and sitting, that you always are being very mindful of exactly what you are doing in the present moment. So when you are, for example, when you are eating your lunch today, uh, if you are serving yourself, you're very well aware of uh, the movements of your hand and your arm and the feel of the serving spoon in your hand. You're aware of your mind's intention to serve yourself. You're aware of your mind's decision, whether you will take a little more or not take any more. As you're eating, be very aware of... of, uh, lifting the food, placing it in your mouth, the sensation on your lips, the experience of chewing, the flavor of the food, uh, swallowing the food. Uh, Do it slowly so that you can do it with full mindful awareness of everything that's taking place, so that you're continuing your meditation practice while you're eating. And then likewise, everything else you do, when you're getting dressed, the same thing. Be very mindful of when you you uh, uh, reach for and grasp your clothing, when you do your buttons, things like that. When you're opening a door, be aware of reaching out, grasping the doorknob, turning. So try to be continuously aware of what you are doing, the sensations and movements of your body, and also the mental processes, the intentions that cause the movement and the decisions that you make along the way as to what to do and what not to do. Okay? Any questions about about that? So in this way, this this is uh, this is part of why noble silence means not saying anything at any time because Anybody who you might speak to, they're busy meditating. They're always meditating. There's not any time when the other person is not meditating. So there's not any time. You know, you wouldn't come up and talk to somebody when they're sitting here, right? If I'm sitting here like this, you're going to come up and... No, of course not. But realize when another person may be next to you in the kitchen or in the hallway or something like that, that they're still meditating. They're always meditating. And so don't... Don't disturb their meditation. Instead, do your own meditation. Be aware of everything that you are doing.
Um, do we have some questions about the practice? Would you like to? Uh, would you like to say what your questions are about the practice? No. Okay. Um, is it about the sitting practice, or, or both the sitting and the walking? Okay. What we're trying to do is that, of course, your mind, like everyone else's, tends to constantly move from one thing to another. So we're training our mind to only uh, be involved with the things that we direct our attention to. And in order to train our mind in that way, we're using the sensation that is caused by the breath, and especially around the nose, as the air moves in and out of the nose. So that's what I want you to focus your attention on, is those sensations. Uh, and it could be a large area or a small area. You know, it doesn't matter. It could be inside your nose or outside your nose. Wherever you experience the sensations, but those sensations are what you keep returning your attention to. And so whenever your mind goes somewhere else and you realize it, just bring your attention back. That's all you have to do. You don't have to stop the thoughts. You don't have to control your mind in any other way except that you're always redirecting your attention back to the same thing. Any question? Any further question? Does that that covers it for you? Originally, I, I thought that the first day mm-hmm. you did the whole class, you know, and we did the meditation. Mm-hmm. But seems like you guide us, you know, one by one, one step by one step, mm-hmm. and I think that's very helpful. Yeah. Is there any chance you can do again? Um, yeah, I think there is a chance of that. Yeah. Okay. Yes. What about other other questions? Nobody has any other questions about practice. Okay. Well. There was, there's some things I, I want to tell you a little bit more, make some recommendations about the walking meditation. Uh, so, when you're doing the walking meditation, I want those of you who find that your mind is moving to other things by itself easily, if you find that your mind is, is easily going to other thoughts or easily going to other sounds and distractions, I want you to do the walking meditation in this way. You walk about this fast. And make a little pause between each step. So you take a step and you wait. And you take the next step and wait. Next step. So, talk about that fast. And what I want you to do is 
When this foot is moving, I want your attention to be on the sensations in the bottom of the foot. Okay? So, your attention is there. And you stop. And now, move your attention to the bottom of the other foot. There. Now you move your attention. So you're always, you're always deliberately and consciously directing your attention. And when your attention goes elsewhere, you bring it back, especially if you're walking like this, and your attention goes to a thought, bring it back to the sole of the foot. If your attention goes to a sound, if you, and, and what you try to notice, you try to notice as soon as your attention starts to move towards the sound, then rather than letting your attention go by itself, you deliberately decide to listen to that sound. See what I mean? So that what has been happening is your mind keeps wanting to move by itself from here to there to there. And what you're doing is you're training your mind that it only goes where you consciously wish to have it go. Only where you decide that you want it to go. So initially, when you can tell that your mind is going to be drawn to a sound, rather than let it go by there by itself, not in your control, you deliberately move your mind to that sound. And you investigate that sound for a few moments, and then you bring it back to the sole of your feet. And likewise, any other sensation. If it's a thought, if it's a thought, let go of the thought and bring your uh, mind back to the sensation of the sole of your foot. So what this is like is that as you're, as you're doing walking meditation, you're practicing directing your attention and sustaining your attention. So with each step, you're directing your attention. Okay, I'm directing it to this foot. Now I'm directing it to this foot. And I'm directing it to this foot. And I direct it to this foot, and then I'm walking a little slower than I was just then. You walk a little slower, so that there's a period where you're holding your attention there. So you direct it to this foot, you hold it on this foot until that step's complete. And then you direct it to this foot, you hold it on this foot until that step is over with. If, if you see something and you feel your attention drawn to looking at that thing, you deliberately move your attention to that thing. You examine that thing, and then you bring your attention back to your foot. Okay, so you're always directing and sustaining your attention. You're never letting your attention run free. And the idea is that after you do this for a little while, your mind will get used to your attention always following your intention. Where you intend, that's where you that's where the attention goes, and nowhere else. Yes. Can we do the for example, so I'm walking on the, on the, on the road, and the car comes, I heard car, yeah. the noise of car, but I, I intentionally don't want to direct it. I still want to concentrate on my foot. Yeah. See, Can I do that? Um, if you're walking on the road, mm -hmm. and you hear the sound of the car, if you know that your mind's going to go to the sound of the car, then you deliberately listen to the sound of the car. Okay? okay? You don't have to fight. You, you don't want to fight. You want to 
the, the thing is, rather, if, if you fight your attention, uh, then anytime you fight, you, uh, your, you your, your will might win or, or your will might lose. And, and every time your will loses, then the training is spoiled. Okay, so this way the training can never be spoiled. No matter where your mind goes, it's on purpose. <laughs> you trick the mind. <laughs> so the mind gets used to that. So, yeah. Um, is this, uh, this instruction different or is it the same as uh, in sitting meditation where you have, for example, a pain mm-hmm. and you might notice, notice the pain and then, then d- decide whether to, to turn away from it or, or investigate it? Or is it different because you're walking and... and it's, it's, the same, it's the same principle that any time you're not successfully able to sustain your attention where you want it to, then you, you finesse the situation. You know? So it's the same principle. If you have a pain and you know that, that no matter... You, know, you, you direct your attention back to the breath from the pain, your attention is going to be back on the pain again a second later. When you realize that you're not going to succeed in ignoring the pain, then you deliberately take the pain. It's exactly the same thing when you realize that there's something that you've seen that has caught your attention, or something you've heard that is, is, has caught your attention, and that now your attention is going to move to it. Rather than let your attention move out of your control, you take control and you deliberately investigate that thing. Exactly the same principle. Any questions? Yes. Um, so, I observed that during the walking meditation, I spent a lot of, uh, maybe even more than walking, just uh, being able to observe. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes I just stand in one place and for a long time just observe and uh, feel my uh, inside the sensation or feeling or anything instead of walking. And uh, just like uh, earlier, before I get in, I s- I'm watching that tree, mm-hmm. and I fa- uh, spent a lot of time there and trying to 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 feel my feeling and my my thought that. So so that is me. I I walk away from the walking meditation. You you continue to do that practice. Remember, I said this is for those people whose mind keeps wanting to run free. For those of you. For those of you who your attention, your attention, your mind has calmed down, and it's not always running here and there on its own, you don't do that practice. I would suggest for most of you that you do the very slow walking that I described yesterday. Very slow walking, first observing the lifting and the moving and placing as separate movements and noticing the sensations in each then dividing those into three and noticing even more detailed sensations in each. You know, to increase, to further deepen your concentration and increase the power of your attention. So what I just described and demonstrated for you, that was specifically for people who are still having the problem that their mind is wandering all over the place and, and, and they're not, you know, it's like... Um, When you have not yet trained your mind 
in, in a very strong basis of directed and sustained attention, then you need to do the practice that gives you that, that control over your mind. Once you've done that, then you can practice in a different way. Now, the kind of practice that you're talking about doing is, yet again, uh, when you have learned to calm your mind and still your mind, then you can le- let your mind be still and let, and let various sensations and various thoughts and feelings arise and pass away <coughs> in, in the still vision of your, fine, uh, of your mind. And you can observe the rising and passing away of these experiences. So that's a different practice. So what Deborah is asking about um, is an appropriate practice if you feel like you've already achieved stillness of mind by being focused on one thing so that you no longer need to be focused on one thing in order to still, uh, in order to continue to have that stillness. If you feel like if you cease to focus on one thing that your mind's going to start jumping around to everything, you're not ready to do what Deborah was talking about. If you, if you can let go of a specific focus and have your mind stay calm and clear and still and then just observe whatever comes and goes, that's a very powerful practice, but don't try to do it until you're ready because otherwise you're just going to be all over the place and you'll actually you'll actually lose some of the concentration and training that you already uh, accomplished. So we can uh, so we can sort of divide it for the moment in, into three and you can decide I may have advised you already one way or another in, in the interview but if not then you can decide for yourself if you are a person who uh, Uh, has the problem that uh, your mind is tending to go very easily on its own here, there, and everywhere. Walk at the moderate space and pace and you control at every moment where your attention is moving. If you have uh, a pretty good degree of concentration, uh, you would like to deepen that concentration even further. If you have already a good basis for mindful awareness and clarity uh, and you would like to develop that even further so that uh, the mindfulness becomes even more powerful, then do the slow walking and, uh, and, and keep uh, taking it to, to more detail until there's actually three different parts to uh, raising the foot, three different parts to moving the foot, three different parts to placing the foot, and within each of those divisions, you can recognize three or four different sensations. You know, you keep working in that way until you reach that point. And, and then if you wish to even further uh, increase the power of your mindful awareness and the degree of focus you have, then you can keep doing the same thing and walk a little faster and still see just as much detail as you did even while you're walking a little faster. The third the third way to do walking meditation, if you feel like your mind is capable of, of a, a just staying completely still and you can just let whatever comes, comes and goes and your mind won't grasp onto it, your mind won't stick to it, your mind will just watch it come and watch it go, 
then then you can practice in that way. Okay. So I'm not trying to give one instruction for everybody here. Uh, and in your interview, I will I'll help you to, if you're not certain which kind of practice. I'll help you decide which way to do the walking meditation. Now, more, more questions about practice? Yes? Uh, question about uh, practice in, in daily life, mm-hmm. applying in daily life. Um, okay. My, what, I'm, what I'm trying to understand is how to increase uh, the amount of mindfulness uh, that you develop uh, during daily life, and I, I think a method you you have suggested is to pick a period of time uh, when you're going to be mindful, and then expand that period of time. Um, my next question is: pick a period of time during which you're going to be mindful of what? Is it your breath? Um, is it something, or is it a random thing? What is it? Um. Well, there's, uh, there's different ways that you can do this, but uh, I'm suggesting that what you want to do is you want to be have mindful awareness all the time. But if you just decide, well, I'm going to have mindful awareness all of the time, then it's next Thursday and you realize you haven't had mindful awareness any of the time. <laughs> so instead... You know, it's it's easier to uh, to begin by just identifying a particular period because all the time turns out to be never. So pick a particular period and then expand it till it becomes all the time. Now, as to what be mind what to be mindful of in that period, ideally you will be mindful of everything, which means you'll be mindful of the movements of your body and whether those movements are automatic and habitual or whether those movements were uh, consciously intended because we make both kinds of movements. Uh, You will be mindful of all of the sensations that you experience, uh, at least all of the major sensations that you consciously become aware of. You'll also be mindful of whether those sensations are pleasant or unpleasant. You will be mindful of the mind's reaction to those sensations, whether those sensations elicit uh, desire or aversion or any other kind of reaction, even at the most subtle level. And you will become aware of the mental states that are present and how those mental states change from time to time as uh, as certain sensory experiences and certain experiences of pleasure and pain and certain mental reactions to experience cause your mental state to shift. Because your mental state is always shifting. I mean, you know that. You have different kinds of moods, good moods, bad moods, irritable moods, relaxed moods. And what causes these mental states to shift is the, the experiences that you're having, the thoughts that you're generating. So... Ideally, if you're perfectly mindful, you'll be aware of those mental states as they come and go. 
And you'll be aware of whether these are, are wholesome and desirable mental states or whether these are unwholesome uh, and problem-creating mental states. So this is, this is ideally, you'd be aware of everything, both mental and physical. But, you know, uh, it's the same thing as, as uh, uh, all the time is never. Being mindful of everything ends up being mindful of nothing. <laughs> so you start, you start small with what's manageable. It's very good to start off. Mindfulness of the body is really, it's, it's the best place of all to start. Being aware of what you're doing and also being aware of sensations. Um, and this is described, uh, in the Buddha uh, laid out a practice in the Satipatthana Sutra of mindfulness of the body. Um, and he described, first of all, being aware of the, as the body moved from different postures of uh, standing, sitting, uh, walking, lying. So, at the very least, when you're practicing mindfulness, if you can be aware of when you're walking and then when you stop and you're standing, when you're standing and then you sit, or when you sit and then you lie down, or when you sit and then you stand up again. At the very least, but this is just at the very least, be aware of these gross movements of the body, changes in posture. But then he also said that beyond that you should become aware of uh, more fully of everything that you're doing when going forward and when going back. Which means that when you go forward, why are you going forward? And then if you were going forward and now you're going back, why are you now going back? Uh, so uh, when eating, be aware of eating. When urinating, be aware of urinating. When dressing, be aware of dressing. In other words, the mindfulness of the body is being aware of all of your actions. What am I doing right now? I'm reaching. What am I doing right now? I'm grabbing. Uh, what am I doing right now? I'm lifting. So being aware of all these things that you do. I'm moving. I'm placing. I'm turning. You know. So start with the body. Practice for a certain amount of time each day just being aware of the body. You'll get the knack of it really quickly. Add to the movements the sensations. Well, what am I feeling? This, this, is, this is what it, it feels like to hold this. You know, there's the sensations of firmness and coldness and weight and so forth. This is the sensation of moving. This is the sensation of lifting. This is the sensation of tasting. This is the sensation of swallowing. All of the sensations that are associated with all of the actions of the body. As, you, as your mindfulness becomes more grounded in, in the body, you become more present, you become more fully aware. Don't you find that when you are, when you are aware? The sensations in your body, they, only, you know, they don't last. They come and go. So it makes you be here and now. It brings you into the present. It focuses your awareness on the present. So mindfulness of the body is a very powerful practice. And then as you attain more, uh, more skill at remembering to be mindful of the body, then you can be mindful of the body for more and more of the time. Yes? 
Could you uh, explain to us why uh, people can do multitasking? Like, uh, people can do it? Do lots of movement together, multitasking. Multitasking? Yeah. Can, can you explain to us? To explain why they can do that? How and why? <laughs> because it seems like uh, uh, we do meditation, we try to, especially when uh, daily activity, we try to focus and be mindful, do one thing at a time. Yes, that's right. We do. Uh, when you're multitasking, you're doing several different things at once. Yeah. You're, you're eating and you're writing a note with this hand and you're listening to the radio and you know all these other things at once. That's, that's because you're, you're, mind, uh, your mind is not a single thing. Your mind is a, a number of different processes, which each of which can be doing its own thing. The process, the processes of eating, uh, are so automatic that there's a, what you might call a, the the body mind that just controls the automatic movements of the body, and so your body can feed yourself while your while your mind is is more of your conscious attention is focused on something else. Then you can eat a sandwich with one hand while you write a note with the other. You can't, you can't write a note automatically. The writing of the note requires that a different part of your mind, other than the one that's eating the sandwich, uh, be engaged. And uh, thought processes uh, to do with what is the message that you want to convey and then producing the characters that uh, communicate that message to whoever reads the note. So that's, that's another thing. You can, while you're doing both of these things though, have the radio or the television playing. And although you're not really listening to everything because you're writing a note and eating a sandwich, at the same time, there is some part of your mind that is scanning all of the information. And whenever something that's important to you is said, It'll register. You'll hear it. You'll know it. And so here you are doing three different things at once. But who is the you that's doing it? It's different, different parts of your mind. Um, in a sense, there is a mind uh, or a function of the mind that's associated with each of your five senses. And then there is yet another function of the mind that is associated with... Uh, uh, discursive thought processes. I mean, you can easily see this if you think about it. Um, and this is part of practicing mindfulness, is, is discovering discovering the nature of what really makes you up, what, what kind of a creature you really are. Um, you can, when, when you're driving a car, uh, you can be carrying on a conversation or thinking about something and be really quite unaware of the process of driving the car. You will... Uh, what will happen is uh, somebody's brake lights will come on in front of you or perhaps you'll see uh, a light traffic light turn red. And there may not be the conscious awareness of it and there may not be a conscious intention to 
move the foot from the gas pedal to the brake pedal. But those events will happen. They'll happen because there's a part of your mind that is constantly processing visual data. And it has it is trained and conditioned. It knows what the appropriate response is to a brake light coming on or a traffic signal turning red. And it will produce the appropriate bodily action. Even more interestingly, as you start to press down your foot on the brake, your body will sense the change in motion of the vehicle. And it will adjust the amount of pressure so that you don't stop too quickly and you don't stop too slowly. This can all happen while you're in the middle of an intense conversation with somebody else and you don't even know about it. You know, The light changes and you drive off again. And halfway down the block, if the person said, uh, did you know you just stopped at a red light? You know, I did. Oh, I guess I did. I must have. But, you know, you weren't really aware of it. So, this, so there's a part of your mind processing visual information. There's a part of your mind that, and, and, and using that information to perform actions. There's a part of your mind processing bodily sensations, including those that are produced by the slowing down and stopping of the vehicle. And that is automatically controlling things like the pressure of your foot on the brake. Or if you're turning a corner, you might turn a corner while you're not really concentrating on turning the corner. When you first learn to drive, you you know, you, you're afraid of turning the wheel too much or not turning it enough or whatever. Now it happens completely by feel. You, you, your body senses and your eyes work together and it happens so smoothly and perfectly and you don't hit it, anything. But you're not even paying that much attention to it. There's a part of your mind that uh, is separate from the part of your mind that may be carrying on a conversation and thinking of the best argument to counter what this person just said to you because you don't agree with it, right? Completely different part of your mind. They're all taking place at the same time. Um, In addition to that, while all this is going on, uh, you may suddenly remember that you were supposed to call somebody ten minutes ago. Now, where did that come from? None of the parts of the mind we talked about were... Uh, leafing through your uh, memo book to see what task that you haven't done yet today. Must have been some unconscious part, but it did its job and you came into your awareness as, oh, I was supposed to call Sue at two o'clock and it's already ten after two, you know. So, you see, there are many different things going on, many different parts to your mind. Our normal condition uh, in daily life is that this serves us well. This allows us to multitask, to achieve more. It creates uh, some problems, though. It creates the risk that we might not do as well at some of these tasks as we could have. It creates a quality of life and a sense of always being frenzied and harried and, and busy and things like that. It keeps you from really being fully in the present uh, keeps you from really experiencing your life. Instead, your body and your mind are this machine that's frantically producing all these different kinds of results based on all of its programs. But, you know, you may go through the whole day without having actually lived your life as, as, a, as a conscious human being, but just as a highly skilled, pro, well-programmed, multitasking robot. Or if you were lucky, you had a few breaks in the day where 
you came into the present and you came into the sense of the wholeness of who you are. But let's look a little bit at conscious awareness. You know, the more fully conscious you are, the more of the totality of your mind is involved in that. And the more fragmented your mind is, the less fully conscious you are. Do you, do you agree with that? Yes. So, in meditation we're doing many things, but, but one, of the, one of the most important amongst them is we're becoming more fully conscious. And we're becoming more fully conscious so that we can become more aware. Just becoming more aware of the fact that I think I have a mind and it's one thing and I think I'm in control of it. But if you can pay enough attention, you can learn that you don't have a mind, you have many different minds and that you really have very little control over any of them. They're mostly all doing their own thing. You know, uh, but the interesting thing about that that you also discover is where where did your eyes and your body uh, learn to drive a car uh, while the rest of your mind was off doing something else? Where did they learn to do that? There was a period of time when your total conscious awareness was focused on driving a car. And that's where you learned. So how do all these other minds uh, get get receive their programming and learn what they're doing. There is this one aspect of the totality of our mind that is this conscious awareness. And it's limited. It's limited. You can't be aware of everything at once. It can be shared over a few different tasks as long as none of those tasks is is uh, highly critical. But as soon as one of those tasks become critical, you know, I mean, you can, uh, you know, how we, we just gave an example, you do several different things at once, but, you know, if you were trying to defuse a bomb, you wouldn't want to be multitasking. <laughs> right? You want to do only one thing at once. You know, you, this, this, this conscious awareness capacity is limited. Uh, one of the things it's good to do is to expand the power of it, and we work on doing that. But we recognize that it's still limited. Well, it's very important in your daily life that this limited capacity for conscious awareness be most usefully employed. So, if your conscious awareness is focused on this, um, then at what point does it go to something else and, and how is the something else that it goes to determined? Well, what happens is that uh, a couple of things. Assume uh, we tend to be consciously aware of something that's important to us. Uh, it's a value. It's going to uh, help us uh, to... Uh, it's going to bring us some reward or avoid some problem for us or it's interesting, or it's dangerous, or it's attractive, and so conscious awareness takes that as an object and engages it. But at some point, the mind loses interest and it goes to look for something else that's more interesting. And how do you define more interesting? Well, more important to your survival and well-being. 
It goes and, and it scans around to find something else that is more likely to produce some reward or prevent some loss or uh, to be aware of some potential danger or, or so forth, right? In your normal life, your conscious awareness needs to move around. If it stays on one thing too long, since it's a limited capacity, it stays on one thing too long and that thing's not that important, um, something terrible can happen to you or some great opportunity can be missed. So it's normal for conscious awareness to move around. Also, all these other minds have the ability to thrust something into the field of conscious awareness. You know that unconscious part of your mind that remember you were supposed to call Sue at 2 o'clock? It was able to take that information, no conscious awareness involved in that, completely unconscious, take that information, evaluate that information, say this is important, and then interrupt what was occupying conscious awareness and thrust that into conscious awareness. So that there was the idea. I was supposed to make this phone call. Same thing. You're driving a car and uh, something, anything unexpected happens. You know, a child runs out in the street. You may have been very busy with the conversation with somebody else, with the passenger, but some part of your mind recognized that this novel event was very important and thrust it into your conscious awareness. You suddenly became fully aware of it. So you're, there is a part of your mind that is the knowing, cognizing, high-level functioning part, has limited capacity. Its natural behavior is to always scan around to make sure that whatever it's focusing on is whatever is most important and useful at the time. And it has, and all these other parts of the mind have the ability to interrupt it by shoving something else in that they have determined independently is important. And then conscious awareness will evaluate it, initiate some more higher level action and and bring about, make some kind of of decision. Um, Can't remember where I was going, but this this is something about the nature of your mind that you... uh, Yes? Then my following question is just for my curiosity. So, how an enlightened being live their life if they have to do, you know, multitasking, if they, you know, have to live their life in like a normal human being and have to do multitasking? How an enlightened being cope? Well, let's let's return once again to uh, the nature of an ordinary person in their daily life. Um, an ordinary person is attaching a lot of false values to things constantly and is tremendously concerned with a lot of things that really are important and is actually carrying out all kinds of activities committed to all kinds of activities that are not that important. So the more fully mindful a person is and the more they can discriminate between uh, what is truly important and what is not, then the, the, the much, uh, much more appropriate is their uh, allocation of 
their mental resources and, and uh, their time availability and their energy availability. Uh, an enlightened person is still a human being, still has a body and a brain and a mind, and uh, you know, e- even uh, a renunciate who owns nothing but a begging bowl and, and a robe still is in a world where needs have to be met and dangers have to be avoided. But the difference is that uh, that that person, uh, well, certainly in the case of renunciate, but even even an enlightened person living in a city is is not living in a massive de- de- uh, delusion and confusion and busy doing uh, things that are contradictory to each other and conflicting with each other. Much more focused in what they're doing. Yes? Um, I wonder if the situation you're describing with multiple minds and so on is really that much... Is it, is it any different from uh, seated meditation you know, where um, you have many different things going on at once but you're able to coalesce them into one point and then as an analogy to multitasking, well, you can focus on several points at one time. Mm-hmm. And um, as an analogy to maybe all kinds of things going on in your body, well, you can do whole body breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, so would the same types of procedures uh, as seated meditation apply in, in daily life? For example, uh, you have this other mind, so to speak, come up and alert you to something that's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Well, you simply notice it and go back to, to what you were doing. Absolutely. And yeah. so multitasking isn't really, it wouldn't really be insurmountable. It's no more insurmountable than, than all the things that go on in meditation. That's right. It's exactly the same thing. Yes, you're right. And that's what happens. You sit down and meditate and your mind does what it always does. As soon as it gets bored with the breath, it starts looking for something more interesting. Well, that's its job, you know. I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't survive if uh, you know if your mind in normal daily life if your mind didn't constantly check you know other things to see if there was something uh, more important than what it's currently engaged in. So your mind's doing what it normally does, but your mind doesn't have. The point is, your mind doesn't have to do that, and you can train your mind under certain circumstances not to do that. And if you do that, then in your daily life, you can also become aware if, you're, if your mind is needlessly jumping all over the place. Likewise in meditation, you sit there and it's not always that your, your mind is jumping from thing to thing, but the other parts of your mind is, you know, where do these thoughts come from? Where do these emotions come from? You know, they're thrust in there. Why do you suddenly become aware of this itch on the back of your head? Well, you know, there's that body mind that says, hey, you know, I... The body needs to be paid attention to. <laughs> Sticks that into your awareness, and then you have to to let it go and come back to the breath. You know, so it's the same thing. It's exactly the same thing, and it has the same applicability. That uh, you don't need you don't need always to be multitasking. And the fact is that the uh, the the more your consciousness is smeared over a whole lot of other things, then the less awareness that you have. So 
gaining the ability to focus your conscious awareness and focus it to whatever degree that you want. I mean, sometimes you want this kind of scope of conscious awareness and sometimes you want this kind. To learn to control that is very valuable in daily life. Not to mention it's exceedingly valuable in practicing vipassana, practicing insight meditation, and coming to understand the, the true nature of things. But it's also very valuable in every other part of your life. change, basically, um, in terms, I, I guess you're kind of alluding to that there's things that are less important in our lives um, that we should, I guess, get away from, and I, I mean, just as a kind of general guideline, I mean, are, are we supposed to really be changing our lives significantly, and does that come from the, the precepts and things like that, or where do we go with that? It is the... That is the, exactly what the uh, that's what the Buddhist training offers as the way to change your life is through uh, the perfections and the precepts. Uh, you see, out of all the things that you do, all of your different actions, the degree to which your actions are motivated by desire, aversion, and ignorance uh, is uh, uh, those are unwholesome motivations. And to that degree, you're wasting an enormous amount of time and energy, and you're doing things that are causing harm to yourself and others. So that is exactly where you want to start making the change in your life, is by bringing mindful awareness uh, into your, into those kinds of activities, uh, and we actually started talking about how how do you practice mindful awareness? And one way is through just the systematic expansion from the body, and then when you become when you uh, are aware of the body, then you can become aware of the feelings, and when you're uh, and by feelings I mean pleasant, unpleasant, and uh, neutral. When you become aware of the feelings, then you can become aware of the mental states, and the mental states are actually the desire and aversion and confusion and so forth that we experience. Um, so, this is one way of, of practicing mindful awareness. Now, another way of practicing mindful awareness is beginning with the precepts to try to uh, to, to take uh, a, as an example. To take uh, the precept uh, uh, involving speech, right speech uh, means refraining from false speech, harsh speech, divisive speech, and gossip. So you can practice mindfulness by trying to be mindfully aware of all of your speech during the day, and uh, being aware of false speech and harsh speech, divisive speech, and gossip whenever they arrive. And if you are aware of them and are able to not engaging in them, but that's not nearly so important as the fact that you become aware of when they arise, which allows you to examine your own mind and say, why is it that I'm about to say something that's a distortion of the truth? What motivates that? What what motivation does that come from? It also allows you to see the consequences. And you don't necessarily, your mindfulness doesn't necessarily have to keep you from saying it. 
although eventually it will, but initially it may just make you aware that you have said it, and this is why you said it, but it's all in the process of changing your behavior. Now, in terms of improving the quality of your life in many other ways, if you never engage in false speech, your life becomes a lot simpler, because as they say, you know, uh, 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 once you've told the first lie, then from then on you've got to uh, continue to... uh, sustain the illusion that you've attempted to create. And, uh, but also there's the consequences because uh, the, the negative consequences is the degree that you uh, don't speak with complete honesty. Uh, eventually that comes back on you. To the degree that you do, that comes to be known and you enjoy the benefits of that. So The other way to practice mindful awareness is using those as a basis. You can use the practice of patience as a basis. If you're a person who finds that impatience, irritability, anger, uh, frustration, uh, negativity, hatred are a big problem in your life, you could say, okay, I'm going to practice mindful awareness by being aware of all the instances in my daily life when I allow impatience and these other negative emotions to arise and create moods and create situations. And, and it doesn't take but a moment's thought to recognize the power of that in changing your life. So, these are just a few, just a few examples of it. Other questions? Is, it, is, is everyone following the discussion? Am I talking too quickly? Or? Perfect for you? You know, I do my best when I get a lot of feedback from people, so... You know, uh, if you uh, if you let me know what's on your mind, then I'm far more likely to be able to address it effectively. So please do speak up. And if no one has the question, ask some question. Yes, for the practice, is that okay? Yes, that's right. Bye. Thank you. That's what this mm-hmm. is about. I'm still in processing to observing. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite uh, get conclusion or anything yet. Okay. No, I um, get to it. Uh, to understand myself, realize yet mm-hmm. in the process. Um, I'm I'm processing observing uh, while walking out the seminary tree. Maybe because the previous day, yesterday, I have a. a wonderful uh, experience is I'm standing there watching a uh, tree, watching sky and for a period of time and I just feel like uh, uh, everything supposed it is, you know, and, and, and no need to change, no need to be different even though keeping changing the, the, the crowd and, and the, mm-hmm. the, the, the 
the light light of the, the, the day, you know, getting dark. It, it's just, just perfect, you know, mm -hmm. and, and when I stand there, I just feel like it's so peaceful. It's, it's no need to be different. I think that's equanimity. But because that may be leading me to be more aware when today, and I'm walking and I see the tree. Uh, in the garden, there's a lot of trees, um, you know, dry and, and, and some still very green and like that. When I'm walking for the one tree and stand there for a long time, I know that is uh, all the the leaves suppose were getting fall and all the thing is so different from all the green. That is not bother. I I, I sense some feeling bother me. You know, sounds like a, those dry leaves hanging down the tree, and I have impulse trying to shaking that, helping them to 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 fall down. Okay, and, and I just say, what happened? Why? Because the previous day I see everything is no, no uh, need to, to difference that. Mm -hmm. But today I just see I have that sense of inside emotion, just want to help the process, something like that. And I think is that leaf really bother me? So I, I look around all the same, the, the, the same, same type of tree and all, all this that. It's some, I feel like, still very pretty, even though that's for the distance. But something very close to me, you know, and I feel like a, I have impulse, want to hope that's different, hope that the leaves fall down more or, 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 or what. And, and I, I'm still watching that, that processing, but I, I, I'm not quite sure, I don't know if in this is something I should, because I just sense the impulse there, mm -hmm. and, and I I think this is something I need to deal with. But I, I maybe need some guidance for that. <laughs> well, if it's the kind of impulse that would motivate you to go and try to do something about it, then definitely uh, <laughs> you should do. You, you you need to deal with that impulse because uh, you know, but. Otherwise, it's just, uh, you know, our mind can conceive of things like that. Our mind can conceive of the tree with all of the, all of the uh, leaves falling off of it. And, and then our mind can make these judgments and, and, and arises uh, the, um, the desire to see it in the way that we imagine it. So maybe that's just what's happening with you. But I don't know, I sense, I, I sense that impulse is something, you know, it's not just that simple, mm -hmm. it's something I, 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 inside me still, mm -hmm. yeah. we should have things different. That's right. It's a, the point is that what you experienced instead, in, in one case, you experienced perfect contentment and satisfaction. Things mm -hmm. were perfect the way they are. And then, on the second occasion, you experienced dissatisfaction. That's mm -hmm. dukkha. And you experience dukkha because your mind could imagine things different than the way they are, mm -hmm. and there arose the des the desire to to see that. So it's it's teaching you uh, exactly your 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 observation is revealing to you exactly what it's supposed to reveal. It's teaching you that on the one hand, here's the perfect happiness that comes from equanimity and acceptance of what is in terms of the tree. 
is the dissatisfaction and unhappiness that comes from the mind projecting something different than the way it is and then, uh, and then wanting that to be. Can I make this comment? After I know they uh, for more than 10 years, mm-hmm. can I make a comment? You are a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. And you also have urge to help anybody who are in trouble. So that's what I mentioned you. You are Xiu Yang Bo Dai Ji That's my comment. Xiu Yang Xiu Bo Dai Ji Zhu, my makeup comment. Just to chew up, I love you, my makeup came. Make a salty. That's my, 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 uh, my impression. Mm-hmm. I don't know, you know. Well, wanting to change things and being able to see that things can be better isn't the problem. It's being, it's experiencing dissatisfaction because of it. Yeah, because you're a perfectionist. And if you're a perfectionist, then you will experience a lot of dissatisfaction. And, um, and you can... You know, it's easy for a perfectionist to see the connection oh, between right. dissatisfaction and, and desire I, I and suffering. I think I need my need guidance when the things, you know, two things I experience. So when I ex- experience dukkha, you know, I, I will think it will continue. Then, then the what the practice I should do is continue watching the the, mm-hmm. the impulse and want things to change and, yeah. and bring, or, or I intentionally bring back to that equanimity. I don't know, it's just watching that or I just say, okay, you know, Deborah, you are doing this, this, you know, going back to, to equanimity. Okay. The way, this is sort of back to the thing about how do we change ourselves. The way we change ourselves is, uh, the most effective way to change ourselves is through the power of mindfulness and allow the changes to take place by themselves okay. rather than mm-hmm. forcing ourselves to be different. Uh, that's, that is uh, the long-term best and most effective way to change yourself. Now, that doesn't mean that when you find yourself uh, about to take somebody else's $20 bill that you don't restrain. <laughs> but, and so you do restrain yourself when you can. But in terms of changing yourself, the most important thing is the mindful observation. Now, if you find yourself in this state of dissatisfaction and you can return to the, the state of satisfaction, then absolutely there's nothing wrong with that. But the point is not that you have to do it. The most important, th- and as a matter of fact, to, uh, to have an experience of dissatisfaction and see the cause and then immediately avoid it, run away from it, try to change it, doesn't allow mindfulness to have the power to do its work. This is one of the problems that we have. We become aware of behaviors that we would rather not be engaged in, but rather than examine ourselves as the, as the person that has committed those behaviors and has some kinds of patterns and motivations that cause that and allowing ourselves to see the consequences and allowing mindfulness to absorb that the tendency is as soon as we see it to turn away and pretend it didn't happen it's not there this is what we do all the time we ignore that which we could be learning from so practicing mindful awareness means 
really paying attention. And it's time for lunch. <laughs>